Welcome to the Temple of Glory Community Church, where the Word of God is never compromised. At this time, our pastor, Bishop Matthew Odom Sr., will deliver the message for the people of God. Please like, share, and subscribe to this message. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I will go exactly where we were this morning, beginning of verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness amen now i don't want to repeat i don't want to be redundant there are a couple of things that i want to share with us on this evening i'm sorry those of you that are joining us by way of facebook so glad that you're here uh, thank you for taking the time to Tune in to join us, and I pray that something will be said tonight that will bless your spirit. Thank you. Lord, thank you. Does anybody remember why Satan was kicked out of heaven? Satan, Lucifer at the time, was uh, a very prominent uh, angelic force in heaven. He was uh, leader of uh, the praise team uh, and, and uh, he, wanted, he wanted more recognition than, than what he was getting. He thought he should be equal with God. And God kicked him out, and all of those cronies you call angels that followed him, one-third of the heavenly host, and we don't know how many angels God created, but one-third of them were kicked out from heaven to earth because of Lucifer's pride, because of pride. Can y'all hear me? Tonight's message, believe it or not, deals with God not allowing his servant to allow what had happened in his life to cause pride to overtake him. If you look at verse 7, it's, it's amazing how Paul talks about himself. As a matter of fact, there is a mentioning in that one verse twice. Except I be find myself exalting myself above measure. Children, every strain of pride is not arrogance displayed. 
every, every strain of pride is not arrogance on display. Arrogance in public. Arrogance to be vaunted and exalted. Pride can be subtle and, and can grow within you even when you cover yourselves with the garments of pseudo-humility. You can fake being humble and all the while still think you're better than other people. Our education can make us prideful. Our finances can make us think that we've arrived. Who we're connected with can, can cause us to, to think that we, 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 we're special or we're better than, than other people. And if pride is the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven, Lord knows that should be the last thing you want to be associated with or found guilty of. Y'all ain't going to like this. How many, of, how many of you guys grew up listening to Santa Claus is coming? Personally, I like the Jackson 5's version, but you can go further back, Nat King Cole, Bing Crosby, you know, older folk that Laverne Taylor knew. And 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 the 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 the, the wording, the wording went something like this. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. I just I use that to get your attention because this is this is the stanza, the bridge that I want to share with you. He sees you when you're sleeping and Amara. Uh, he knows. Really? Santa? When you're awake. Here it is. Here it is. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Don, he's, he's making a list and checking it twice, going to find out. Santa Claus. So in my limited childlike adolescent understanding of this, what I got out of it was if I acted good, I would get gifts. If I, if I, if I, if I did my chores and if I behaved, my, uh, did what mama told me, all of that stuff. And it's amazing, I would get more concerned of it after September. Y'all not going to help me. I, I promise you it's going to make sense. 
And, 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 and I, I, was, I was convinced that Santa, for, for, for a minute, Santa was going to hook me up if I was good. Even though I saw mom and them bringing stuff in the house. But here, here's what, here, Elder Gene, here's what I want to get at tonight. How many of us Christians, I, I, I'm not judging you about the Santa thing because you was young and crazy, but how many of us Christians treat God like he's Santa? Okay, put your caps on. Put your caps on. How many of us still in our prayer lives basically make our prayer lives nothing more than uh, uh, writing out the list, telling what we want, wish list? Deacon James, here's the thing. What happens when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want him to. What happens, Sister Edith? What, what happens when you've got to deal with the disappointment of not getting that job? What happens? What happens uh, uh, when, 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 when you've got to deal with the frustration of a crazy spouse or uh, rambunctious children that's giving you a hard time and here you are trying to live right. What happens? You got to deal with bereavement, especially when it's unexpected. When it comes and you're going, come on God, there's some folk you could have taken. Why him? Why her? Why my wife? Why Queen's father? Why, why, why God? A few weeks ago I preached from the message, why is this happening to me? And I know I, I was in this passage of scripture about three or four weeks ago, but it, the Spirit of God spoke to me about this, and I raised the question within myself, do people really understand the importance of being in a relationship with God when you can say, nevertheless, it's not my will. And he's still God. And you're still loving on him. And he's still great and greatly to be praised. And he's still Jehovah. And he's still I am that I am. And, and you're not pouting even when things don't go your way. Now let me tell you something. I, I started talking about this this morning. This ain't heaven. Okay? Okay, the house you're living in might be nice, but it's temporary. The car you're driving uh, might go from zero to 60 in 3.8 seconds, but it's temporary. How many ever zeros you may have in your account? It's, it's, it's transient. It's temporary. This isn't heaven. 
And God loves you more than just for you to be happy on earth. There's a bigger picture. And I think many of us miss that. So when I look at this story tonight concerning uh, the Apostle Paul, I, I see in it an opportunity for us to grab a hold of the fact that God loves me enough sometimes to say no. He loves me enough sometimes to say wait. And he loves me enough sometimes to allow me to go through situations and circumstances that will develop me even when I think it's destroying me. Now, if you're not familiar with this story, Paul begins by telling us in the beginning of chapter 12 about an incident that occurred in his life. And this blows my mind, Brother Kevin, because you talk about humility. Paul wouldn't even name himself. When you read this story, he says, I know a man. Oh, I knew a man 14 years ago that had this, what appears to be an out-of-body experience. All right? He won't even name himself. He won't even speak about it in the first person. And he says that this man, whoever it was, this out-of-body experience, if you want to call it that, 14 years ago was allowed to view, he found himself in what's called the third heaven. The Bible speaks of three heavens. The first heaven is the atmospheric conditions in which we live. The second heaven are where the planets are. The third heaven is where God dwells. And this man, according to Paul, visits the third heaven. But even upon visiting and seeing, these revelations were so powerful and so intense that he could not even speak. He could not utter what he had seen. But he gives us a clue. And the clue that he gives us is that it occurred 14 years ago from the time of the writing. He's writing to the Corinthian church. And at that time, whoever this guy was, well, we know it's Paul, it happened 14 years earlier. Well, 14 years earlier, Paul was nearly stoned to death in a city called Lystra. And he was left for dead. And if that be uh, the case, then maybe, just maybe, he had an out-of-body experience. Which brings to thought, to, to thought, just a thought. People are talking about, they were on the operating table and they died and they went and they saw this and this. Really? The Bible tells me, though, is that Paul had this experience and he learned some things. He saw some things, things that were beyond his ability to articulate or his refusal to talk about it. But then, then we get to the nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty of this, uh, Marty, is that God knew better than Paul 
Musa. God knows you better than you know yourself. Okay, when mama, big mama, grandmama tells you, all right now, you 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 won't be good saying I ain't gonna come see you. And we'll straighten up for three days. And we'll watch it, especially when we know it's a gift coming, we'll volunteer to do stuff. But then after a while, we y'all ain't helping me. So Paul says this. Notice, if you would, in verse, I didn't read it before, but I'm going to read it now, verse 6. Verse 6, he says, For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And then he goes into this. And lest I should be exalted. Under no circumstance, under no circumstance will I seek God's glory. For your glory, I will do anything just to see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul is saying to us tonight, I'm not about to put myself in jeopardy. I am not going to boast or brag or talk about what I've done, what I've seen, what I've experienced at the expense of making myself look important. And, I, and, and, and with that statement, I would have lost probably one-fourth of the Christian community. Because I'm sorry, we live in a time where all of us want to be seen. And if that wasn't the case, then we wouldn't be jockeying for positions in the house of God. Servants, true servants, real servants don't go around, hey, see me, look what I did. You are a servant, then you serve. And you're content with that. How many of you are content tonight to serve God? Whether or not people congratulate you, whether or not people brag or boast or pat you on your back, when you're in that relationship with God, you know who he is, you know what he's done for you, you know where he's brought you from. All you want to do is serve the Lord. The Bible says serve the Lord with Gladness. Come into his presence. Hallelujah. 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 Mm, Jesus. But God knew Paul better than Paul knew himself. And in verse 7, we are told. God allows some things to happen to Paul to keep him humble. Yeah. 
Now, Paul is being really, really gracious in describing what it is. And I don't know if it's allegorical. I don't know if it's a metaphor. He uses the word thorn. He uses the word thorn. A thorn was placed in my flesh. Is that what your Bible says? Okay, but when you look that word up in its Greek context, you're talking about a 16 to 18 inch piercing stake. Something that would be used to, that you would take a hammer and nail to keep tents together, to keep tents down. So that lets me know whatever this thorn was, because we don't know for sure what we do know, it was menacing. Now I'm going to find out where you are. Coming up your street. You can, you can praise God or you can run. There are so many fair weathered Christians who will give God stupid crazy praise when things are well. But are you as exuberant? Are you as excited? Are you as happy when you're dealing with a thorn in your life? It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be physical. It might be emotional. But whatever it is, you're dealing with some stuff. Not every now and then, Don, but on a daily basis. And you're struggling. You're you're, you're, you're crying at night. You're whatever. It, it's difficult. I'm not talking. See, if, if you just take it at face value and you think about a thorn, you think about something on a rose that might get, get up under your skin. But when you look at what this thing was that was attacking Paul, you're talking about something that can crush bone. You're talking about something that can make you drop to your knees. You're talking about something that can make you cry out in misery, in anguish, in pain, in disappointment, in betrayal, in frustration. And yet, in all of that, can you still give God? Am I talking to anybody tonight? Is there anybody in here tonight that can say, Bishop, you don't know my story. I've been dealing with some things. I've been struggling with some things and I've tried to put my best foot forward and I've tried to keep going. As a matter of fact, the church didn't need to know everything I was dealing with because if God is my leader, if God is my savior. Is God is my king. I will bless the Lord uh, at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Am I talking to anybody yet? Look at somebody and ask you, are you familiar with some thorns in your life? Have you been through some struggles? Folk look at you on Sunday mornings. They have no idea the hell that you've caught. They have no idea how you borrowed from Peter to pay Paul. They have no idea how you struggle to make ends meet. They have no idea how your children, your husband, your wife, your pick grants have made you cry but yet when you get the opportunity you're in the Lord's house you're giving God glory you're 
giving because for your glory. I will do. Can I have five more minutes? Notice in that same seventh verse, we are told that the culprit that attacks Paul is a messenger from the very one who got kicked out of heaven because of his pride. God is going to use that very nemesis to keep Paul in subjection. A messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. That word buffet means to beat. To beat mercilessly. Now there have been all kinds of speculations as to what was wrong with Paul. Some say that he had a serious eye problem. Some say that uh, he had other physical ailments. But whatever it was, it caused him excruciating pain. All right? It caused him pain. He wrote over half the New Testament, but he had to deal with pain. He gave up his former walk of religious uh, communication for the sake of Christ. He did learn what all of us would do, should do, and there's nothing wrong with doing it. I'm gonna get to the, I'm gonna get to the end. I'm gonna let it go, cause, cause, cause I don't want to keep you all night. He prayed. He prayed. I'm hurting. I need help. This is too much. He prayed. The Bible says he prayed three times. Asking God, watch this, to move him. Now, I, I wasn't there. I have no, probably have no right saying this, but this is just for the sake of illustration. There could have been, there could have been reason where Paul might have said, God, for everything that I'm doing, I know you're going to move this. Wait, wait, you knocked me down on the Damascus Road. I was in isolation three years. I came back to Jerusalem. I still had to wait because the brethren wouldn't accept me. They didn't trust me. Come on, God, I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned three times. I've been left for dead. Man, I've been through. I've founded churches all over Asia Minor. And you mean to tell me, come on, God, this is me, Paul. I'm sorry, this is me, Bishop. This is me, Elder. Bible says he prayed three times. And I'm here to tell y'all tonight, three times ain't enough. Because Jesus says, man, I'll talk. Let me, get, let me cut to the chase. Son, you feel like closing us out tonight? You, you up for that?
Ah, listen to me. Listen to me. The answer comes back. I promise you, was not the answer Paul expected. Lean forward. The answer that Paul got did not take the pain away. Did not alleviate the stress. Did not circumvent the frustration. Of all of the things that Jesus could have said to Paul. You know what Jesus said? My grace. Don't you look at me like I'm Santa Claus. You ain't got to write out no. I already know what you need before you ask. And therein lies the, 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 the I think the, the onus of tonight's message. See. Oftentimes, we'll go to God with what we want. And all the while, God knows what we need. And God knew that there needed to be something in Paul's life to keep him balanced. My grace is sufficient. Notice the change now in Paul's writing. Notice the change. He went because it's as simple as this. He prayed. It's in your Bible. He prayed and asked God to move it. And God said, my grace is sufficient. In other words, no, but I'm going to give you what you need to endure it. Because in going through it, you're going to discover something so valuable. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to discover, Quee, that in your weakness and you lean on God, you will discover his strength. Otherwise, you'll be trying to handle stuff on your own and by yourself. But when you can step back and turn it over and give it to God and let it go God, he says, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. I will glory in my weaknesses because what I've learned, when I am weak, then am I strong. Son, if you don't feel like it tonight, it's okay. I just, I just, I just wanted to get you up on the horse. Uh, uh, you might want to be mindful when you encounter other people that are going through, yeah, yeah. because they may not be where you are in their prayer life, in their Christian maturation. And they may, God may be there to help you help them with the thorn. Thank you so much for listening in to the Temple of Glory podcast. I know the word have been a blessing to you. We'll see you again soon.